Good morning. That's quite the story about Molly, wasn't it? We don't really have any excuses, do we? Well, I want to say thank you. And uh, ask Elliot this morning, do you feel any older? You said just one day older. That makes sense. Today is, today's actually uh, Elvis Presley's birthday. He's 88. You know, you know what I'm talking about there? How many of you have a hunk of hunk of burning love? 88 years old. They spotted him last week. He was back in Memphis. They're pretty sure it's him. The FBI is looking for him. Amen. Not really his Elvis' birthday today. Good things are happening. They've already begun. They didn't start January the 1st. It might be the day that we turned the calendar and said, you know, behold, he does all things new. But he wasn't waiting on January 1st to behold. Hmm? He's already been moving. And all he needs is your cooperation. I heard this this morning. He said, I don't know who, but it could, be, could just be one person. It'd be well worth it if it's one person. You kind of feel like you're at the end, trapped, no way forward, falling back, kind of in despair, sometimes feel hopeless. I imagine that's happened to everybody uh, at some time in their life. You know, if you're over the age of two at least. I don't know. Babies cry coming in here, so they're, they're distressed about something. So. But if you felt that way, you know, the enemy, that's where he works in the, or the arena of the, the emotions and the feelings. How many of you ever had a really good day and it really, I mean, you, you, felt, you just felt really good about something? Something happened, someone did something for you, blessed you, I mean, you got something you was wanting or whatever it was. How many ever, ever had a day like that and you just felt great? Did those feelings last forever? How many ever felt just really, really bad? Like I described, like just like, I mean, it's like, are we at the end? Or, or somebody like couldn't get any worse. Anyone ever felt like that in their life? Did those feelings stay? So what do feelings mean? Nothing. <laughs> You know, you know what remains the same? The scripture says the word of God is forever settled. Forever. I always say it this way, if you could put your Bible down here. And for some reason, this building would remain the way it was and it would, it would stay there in that chair and we wouldn't, no one was in this building. You could come back 300 years later and pick it up. It still say the same thing. And it'd be just as, just as up to date. Huh? God said, I'm not a man that I should lie. Just want to remind you this morning, when you go to Hebrews chapter 4, and don't go there, but I'm just quoting Hebrews 4, he says, if you're in that place, he, he said, he invites you to come to the throne of grace. Huh? He wants you to come in as a son and a daughter. 
I always consider it an honor to, to minister to all of you because, because you're born again. You're in, you're in the family. We're, we're family. We're not just a church family. We are, we are a portion of the family of God. You know, you should know by now that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That you'll never be more righteous in heaven than you are sitting right there in that seat. In that seat. That's, that's enough to shout right there. That, that, that you will never need an upgrade of righteousness even when you get to heaven in your spirit. Hmm. And so this morning, if you have any of those blues, you know, that they call Monday, Blue Mondays. See, the enemy thought he finally got you where he needed to get you so he can do what he wants to do so he can put in place his final plan for you. But what he didn't factor in, whether you're here or whether you're watching, what he didn't factor in was, I would have a word of knowledge. What he didn't factor in is you're part of the body of Christ. What he didn't factor in is, well, if you, if, if you pick on one of us, you got all of us. What he didn't factor in was the anointing. What he might have maybe forgot was the anointing breaks every burden, destroys every yoke of bondage. What he didn't factor in that he has no future, but you do. Oh, he has a future. It's just very bleak. Very bleak. But your future is very bright. How many know darkness overcomes the light? No, y'all listen now. Light overcomes the darkness, right? Yeah, we were kind of kids. We was back there praying before the service this morning. Three of us back there, and one of the lights like these had kind of went out. And after we got through praying, it came back on its own. And I said, well, we just pushed darkness out of the room. And just light came on all by itself. <laughs> so I said, I don't believe that. I know. But I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> it was just funny at the time and that it did it. So I, I have something I want to talk to you about this morning. We, you know, we've been in the book of Ephesians for the last, I think, two services. So I want us to go there real quickly. Not going to spend much time there, but I want us to that be a reference for us. And then we're going to talk about something that has been stirring me for quite a while. Uh, something that bothers me. Something that needs to be addressed. Not for everyone, but it's, um, it's widespread. Um, without, without addressing it, we won't get to where we're, where we're supposed to go. Because we're in a time and place that we are in, in revival. And that word is so misused that you almost don't want to use it anymore. But we're in, we're in the third awakening. It's already begun. And there's things that may not be, what I'm going to talk about this morning, may not be something that hinders you. Uh, but it hinders many. I, I hear it every, every week. Somewhere. I hear it from Christians. I hear it mostly from um, not friends and associates of mine, but people that I know in the ministry who's preaching, you know, whether it's media like we do or whether on TV. And we'll, we'll get to that in just a minute. But it's a game changer, and it's not for the good. It sounds politically correct. It's, it sounds like, thus saith the Lord. But we have to address it. See, I've always been very aware whether you think of it or not. I read the scriptures over here. 
says, those of you who teach, those of you who are teachers in the body of Christ, he says, make sure you're studying to show yourself approved because you will give an answer for the things that you minister and you teach to people. Um, I also think of the scriptures. I don't know why I almost get emotional every time I do it, but I won't this morning. But I, I just think about how it made it in the scriptures in Hebrews, I think it's, it's in Hebrews. It tells us, those of us who minister and teach to people, reminds us to remember who we're ministering to and remember their worth and value. He said, I want you to remember that the people that you'll be ministering to, it took my death and my blood to bring them to that place. So treat them that way. See them that way. Minister to them that way. See, there's no high ups and low downs. I'm no better than anybody in this room or anyone out there on the street. I just have a different function. That makes sense. This, this pulpit doesn't give me some kind of special, if it gives me anything, it gives me responsibility. And I understand that. So I, I take it very, very, and, and I appreciate the words that um, Pastor Matt said, but I, I do take that very, um, um, uh, it's just not a light thing with me. I, after this many years, I'm, and I have had to because things would happen that would uh, interrupt my study time. Sometimes it was having to go to the hospital. Sometimes it was uh, church matters that took me away from what I was supposed to do uh, in preparation time, and I, I just didn't get that time. And uh, the Lord would gracefully help me on Sunday, and he would just bring up, you know, the message. And some say, well, that, and people would say, well, that was awesome. And it's like, I'd kind of be happy, but it's like, but I didn't study for it. So I do better when I don't study. <laughs> well, well uh, don't, don't try that too long, because you may get up here one day and throw a blank. And, uh, but I, I take it very seriously to, to, to hear, and I, and I want you to understand that. And when we get to where we're going, this in about five minutes, because it's important that you think about what you think about. It's important that you think about what's being said. Don't take anything anybody says that God said, or this is the way it is, because they said it. That includes me, you understand what I'm saying? Don't take anything that I say as that is the gospel truth unless you can back it up in the word of God. Because the thing that I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm going to, you might say, rally against is what comes out of the pulpit. And it's, just, it's, it's a big subject. I just can't find any scripture for it. And it hinders people everywhere. And some people would be fighting mad just the fact that I would, I, I mean, it'd be so easy to pick a fight. But he, he didn't tell us to fight. He didn't tell us to debate. He just told us to preach the gospel. So in Ephesians chapter one, if you've uh, found it by now, Paul prayed this church, a prayer for the church at Ephesus in verse 16. And he said, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That's an important verse. He prayed that you would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He also continued to pray in verse 18 that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened that you would know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. 
and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power, might and dominion, every name that's named, not only in this world, but also that which is to come. And hath put, how much? All things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Chapter two, because there was no, that was just, uh, this was a letter, so it didn't have chapters. This was just, you know, when they printed the Bible, they put it in verses and chapters for study purposes. But this is a letter, so there would, there would have been no two. There would have been no numbers. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in your trespasses and sins, where in the times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among, among, among whom also we all had our conversation, that means your manner of life, uh, in times past in the lust of our flesh. We were fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, we were, we and were, not are, we were, because you're born again. You were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Verse 4, but God. You were by nature a children of wrath. You were by nature the children of disobedience. But God, who is rich in mercy... For his great love wherewith he loved us, even when you were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. We'll stop there. So, real quickly, if you're that person that came in, or you're listening, or there's more than one, I want you to know that we come in full agreement right now for your deliverance. I think the songs that was picked this morning will directly sp speak to you, the lyrics to them songs, that God wants you free, set free and delivered. So in Jesus' name. Now, well, let me, let me give this verse just as, before I pray. Uh, don't turn there, but Deuteronomy 28, 7, in, in uh, the uh, NIV says, the Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you no, y'all listen. This is the NIV, Deuteronomy 27. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but they will flee from you in seven ways. I like the, the, the New Living says, the Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter from you in seven directions. The enemy didn't factor that in. Amen. He didn't factor that in. So in the name of Jesus, I put myself in agreement. Will y'all agree also? For everyone in here and those watching. In the name of Jesus, Father, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, Master and King. Father, sitting here this morning are the righteous ones. They're also, according to the Word of God, they're kings and priests. They're, the, they're of the royal family. They're, the, they're of the lineage of royalty of heaven. This morning, we put ourselves in agreement with each one here that whatever their need, whatever they're lacking, wherever the, the enemy is attacking them in the name of Jesus, we come against that in the name of Jesus. 
We break his power. We bind him. We stop him now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Yahweh, Jesus, Messiah, Lord, we command you to stop. We cancel your assignment against them. We release them and call them loose in Jesus' name. We thank you that the angels, the ministering spirits of God now minister to them and to their family and to that need, that there'll be no more bondage, that there'll be no more sickness, no pain, that there'll be no more poverty, that there'll be no more confusion, that there'll be no more hopelessness and despair. We thank you that today is the day of salvation. We thank you this is the day that they shall know the truth and the truth shall make them free. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. As Israel dipped the hyssop of the blood that would be a, a type over the doorpost on the night before their exodus, the angel of death visited Egypt and it passed every threshold, every door of every Israelite who'd put the door, put the blood over the doorpost. Father, that blood now, not only are, it's not sprinkled, but we're washed in it. We're washed in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We are cleansed and sanctified and made holy before you. We have been made right and righteous before you. We thank you, Father. We give you praise and honor and glory as we come to the throne of grace this morning to receive grace and mercy to help each one of us in our time of need. I thank you that the anointing is breaking and destroying that bondage the lies and the deception of the enemies because the weapons of your warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You are free, ma'am. You are free, sir. You are free. You are free. You have been delivered and the enemy has been canceled his assignment against you. In, the Je in Jesus' glorious name. Amen. Amen. God is good all the time, is he not? So let's get to our subject real quickly. How many know we're not waiting on a move of God? Y'all with me this morning? Amen. You are the conduit for the, for, for the move of God in this, in this hour of the, of the great awakening. You're the conduit of it. And so you're the body of Christ. You know, we won't go there, but Mark 16, verse 15 through 18, some call it the, you know, the Great Commission. Others think it's called the great suggestion, but it's not really a suggestion. It was a commission, you know, to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth shall, and, and baptized shall be what? Saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. So there's a blessing to someone who believes, but those who do not believe by choice, he said, would be damned. We don't say these signs should follow them that believe, you know, and the, the wonderful things that will happen. Um, if we want to give this a title this morning, it would be with a question mark. God, or it would be a period. What are you going to put there? I could say, is God in control or God is in, God is in control? Question mark. And how many ever heard, I'm not asking if you said it, how many ever heard someone say God is in control? 
Anyone? Is there anyone? Oh, let me do it this way. Is there anyone who's never heard that in their life? Raise your hand, please. That God is in control. So we, we've all heard that. How about all of you out there? Amen. I, 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 OK, I'll see your hand, sir. And that's a bad joke. But anyway. God is in control. Well, I, I, I heard that growing up. I'm sure you did. Uh, people say it all the time. They herald it from the pulpit every, every week that God is in control. That bothers me. It really bothers me that, in other words, I say God is sovereign and he's in control. That he, he's in control of every situation and every decision that nothing happens or can't happen unless God puts it into force or allows it. You ever heard that? They get, well, say, well, he allows it, though. Well, we're going to look at that. Does he allow what, what does he allow? We want to know if God's in control. I want to know if he's sovereign. First off, I need to see your verse where God's sovereign. Now, you do understand that I believe God's sovereign. But we've got to have the right definition. Actually, in the scriptures, other than, the, other than some of the very new translations uh, that have come out in the last few years, you can't find one scripture that specifically says God is sovereign. If, uh, if you find one, please let me know and I'll, I'll be corrected. You cannot find one scripture in the Bible anywhere unless you use a very new translation that says God is sovereign. That God is making every decision. Uh, like I said, it, we, we, we need to think these things. So you, you can't take a truth and make it the truth. That's what happens all the time. You can't take scriptures out of their setting to fit somewhere that works for you or even those of us who minister a lot that works in your topical or expository sermon. You pull it out of context when it's, it's truly said that, but you put it in another context and saying God said this. Well, he didn't say that. Anyone like me who has something like this or a hand mic and for a living is going to get a lot of feedback. I've got plenty of my share. Not that they all address me. They just had me for lunch. Mm. You know, instead of licking their fingers for chicken, they, were, they, were, they, had, they had pastor for lunch. But that's okay, because I love you anyway. And it took me a few years, but I got, I got some pretty tough skin. <laughs> I, I can take a lick or two. I really can. I mean, it, it's not that I don't want to be received and liked. I do. I'm just, I'm just like you. But it's not really going to blow me away. I'll just tell you whatever it is. I, I've seen a lot. I've had a letter sent to me, written about me, talked about me, talked about it on Facebook, talked about whatever. I'm just going to keep on preaching the gospel. Praise the Lord. I think, you know, the, the Bible says if you're, if you're being chastised, if, 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 you know, if you're being ridiculed and persecuted for his sake, he said, happy are you. He said, he said go ahead and get happy because you're, you're in good company. He said, now, if you cause the persecution yourself, you don't need to be happy. You need to stop it. So if you're suffering persecution for his sake, get happy. He says, because great shall be your reward. I, I, I know someone that, that we helped one time, and I, I should have done it. And, uh, but it, this, someone very close to me, and I, I helped him to the tune of 
of double-digit thousands of dollars. And it was for a loan for two, three weeks. And um, I had to ask my accountant about certain things about that. And he says, you know, well, that's, that's up to you. But, I mean, there's nothing wrong with doing that, you know. I said, well, it's not an interest thing. It's not whatever. It's just kind of a loan to help a, a very good friend who's been a very good friend to me in the ministry. And it's just about a two-week loan. But it never got paid back. And they wouldn't return my phone calls. And I went to see them. They wouldn't answer the door. And so I just stayed at the church. And I just said, um, you tell them to come on to the church because I'm going to be here. Well, pastor's out of town. I said, I said I, buddy, I, I know you're just doing your job. But I've already been by this house. His car's at the house. I saw him on the phone, walked around the yard. But I'm not going to pull up in his yard, so just tell him to come here. Or I'll just stay here till Sunday through church. And, or I, and if he, he said, well, he may not be here Sunday. I said, I'll stay here forever. And he had to resign as pastor. And, uh, and all I want to do was forgive him. Because the Lord told me just to forgive him. He said he doesn't have any means to, to pay you back. He said he didn't mean to do this, but his situation got worse. But he's too embarrassed now. And he's in too, too much death. He doesn't know what to do, so he's avoiding your phone calls. And so I, <sighs> I saw the scripture that gets lifted out of its context. It's not wrong, but Luke 6, 38. During offering given, it shall be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Or I know what you mean, given to you boys. Have you ever heard that? Not that it would be wrong to use that, but it's kind of pulling it up. It's about, how, it's about loving your enemies. It's about giving love. If you read the translations, it says, you know, what, what you give to them is what you'll get back. The measure that you get out, give out, the measure would come back to you. Well, I'd borrowed money to, to remodel the building, and I was getting to the stage of the construction that I now needed that fourteen or $15,000, but it wasn't coming back, and I couldn't go back and borrow no more money. And I couldn't come to the people and say, you know, we need $15,000 in about a week. And I've already borrowed the money. So I was kind of in a fix. Can you see it? So, the, so they called him and he came and he got out of the car and he's older than me and put his head down because uh, he was ashamed. He didn't know what to say. And, uh, and I, so I told him exactly what the Lord told me to tell him. I said, would you please look at me? I know that when you borrowed the money, uh, you fully intended to pay it back. You have been a blessing to me in so many different ways. I could stand here all day long and never count all the ways that you've been a blessing to me. I release you from this debt. You don't owe me a dime. Oh, it was, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I said, no, I'm, please, I'm still talking. I said, our friendship is worth more than $15,000. I want to give that to you right now. He says, well, when I get things fixed, he says, I'll make sure you get back the interest. I says, no, you won't because you don't owe me anything. I said, you give so what God tells you to, but you don't owe a debt to me. I just released you. We went on and said a few things, and I got in my vehicle, because I knew he was still embarrassed. I got in the vehicle. I hugged him and held him for a long time, and, uh, and, I, and I prayed for him. And I got in my vehicle and drove 100-something miles back home. The guy was putting in a brand-new ceiling in our sanctuary. We was meeting in the basement at that time, and he said, are you ready to start? And I said, he said, we can start Monday. And I thought, oh, because mm. <laughs> I don't have any money to pay for it. See, naturally, I don't have no way to pay for it. I'm like Mully. I'm, I'm mullied out. 
See, the guy called and said, we're ready to put in your new ceiling and there in the offices and, and the bathroom. The bathroom said, well, can we come in Monday? It takes three days. And I just heard down here, he said, yeah, t t tell him to, to go. Tell him to start. And then I thought, I said, yeah, we're ready to go. And then if, you know, I had a few thoughts afterward, after that. Thoughts were coming to me. Can you see that? And I thought about, I knew a few hiding spots because I know with my friend who borrowed money didn't pay back where he was hiding. I thought about, you know, going to his spots and see he wouldn't use them anymore. But I got further instructions, which was just odd to me. The Lord says, from the time that they're here to the time they leave, he said, don't you ever leave, don't you ever leave this church. I said, something going to go wrong with them. He says, no, nor the job would be fine, but don't you leave the church. By the second day I was there, a three-day job, uh, someone drove up Monday and said, I don't know why, but I was supposed to bring this to you. And it was like $2,000. And said, so said, don't wait till uh, church. Um, and that wasn't their tithe. That was just $2,000 extra dollars. So I don't even know why I'm bringing it, but he said, bring it now. And I thanked him and prayed for him, and they left. I, I, but I still need, you know, another, 12, I think it was $14,000 I needed. So I still needed $12,000 more. The next day, two more people came by and did the same thing that happened the day before. One gave me $10,000 check. So I don't know what this is about, but the Lord said, drop what you're doing. Get to the bank, draw out $10,000 and get it to Pastor West. He's at the church today. Do it today. And then, and then that was $12,000. By the end of the day, someone came in and gave me another $2,000. I never said anything to anyone. They didn't know there was ever a problem. I, I let the money go and they didn't pay me back. I paid the workers. They got through, it looked good. And then when they left that day, I was vacuuming up, you know, where they putting in a new ceiling. And I got through vacuum and I heard a knock on the door. The back doors of the sanctuary where you come into the sound booth. And I looked and there was a man there. And he said, uh, and he had given me a great sum of money. He was one of the three that came. And he said, uh, Pastor West, he said, I, I was in Birmingham, and the Lord spoke to me very sternly. And he told me to, stop, to go to a certain place and buy brand-new sound equipment. Now, we had sound equipment. He said, but buy every piece of sound equipment as if this church doesn't even own a speaker or a stand or a mic. Like you're going to start all the way off from scratch. And uh, he spent, that was years ago, so he spent something like, he told me, like twenty or $25,000. And, uh, and so we unloaded all of it, and we talked, and I thanked him. But I wasn't believing for any sound equipment. What we had wasn't that great, but, you know, it wasn't on my mind. I was trying to, re, you know, redo the church, the ceilings, and, uh, you know, make... Uh, bathrooms and all that kind of stuff in the former building. And he left, and I, and I, and uh, now listen to this because I've shared this story before, but I just heard the Holy Ghost said, Share this story again. When he left, I sit there and I said, Now, Lord, what's that about? And he said, Grab your Bible and go, and he says, Read in the Amplified and, and go to Luke chapter 6. And when I began to read in Amplified, it talks about, you know, if you have resentment from, from, for, for, if you have resentment towards someone, no matter whether they did it or who did it, the Amplified said, let it drop. 
It went on to say, and everything that it said at that point said, let it drop, let it drop, let it drop, let it drop. And it says, well, if you let it drop, because the same way that you'll do then, the Lord will do give unto you. But if you let it drop, then he'll give unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And I said, well, but, well yeah, but why, but why this? But I needed, I, I, I think I borrowed, I let him borrow 14000 I got the 14000 back. But what about all the sound equipment? He says, you, you, you loaned the 12000 I brought it back to you. But because you did not judge him, although he's guilty, and because you didn't speak about his name, which you could have told everyone and brought shame upon him, and because you held nothing against him, he said, the, he said, I brought you the money back and all the sound equipment is the pressed down, shaken together and run over part. So I said, anybody else want to do me wrong? I'm ready. I, I want more, more, more. <laughs> so I'm ready for it. Bring it the best you got. And whatever you're going to do, I forgive you. So is God sovereign? Well, he is sovereign. But to this place right here, we can't go very far in today, but, but uh, for sake of time, but uh, let's, let's start this way. Let's start with you. Let's start as early as yesterday. So when you get up, God is sovereign. He's in control of all decisions. What well, did he decide what time you get up? When it came time for breakfast, did God choose cornflakes, Wheaties, Fruit Loops? Or did God go the oatmeal route? Because he's in control. Did God decide the portion that you would eat? Did you have one bowl of cereal or three? Did God choose for us to be skinny skinny or full gospel? Holy rollers. Does God choose what you eat? Did he tell you what drive to go through? Did he tell you what combo to get? When I ask you, did it, when I say, do you want to supersize it? Do, 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 is, the, is, the, is the promise of God yes and amen? Is God in control of that? You men, are you wearing white socks, gray socks, blue socks, brown socks, black socks? Which, no socks. Did, which, what, what did God pick for you today? What clothes did he pick out for you today? When you went to go buy the shirt, did he tell you to buy a brown one or a gray one or a blue one or a green one? Ladies, what brand of makeup does he have you buying now? Hmm. Where do you go get your permanent, which is not permanent because you keep going. So where do you go? Where does he send you to get your temporary? Who, do, who does he have you go to for nails? Hmm. Is God in control? Does he make all these decisions? Is he running things? Is your life predestined and you're just waking up every day and you're just more like a robot? You're automated because I hear it all the time. Well, many Christians, they just say, well, it'll all work out because God is in control. They'll take a verse out of Romans 8, say all things work together for good to those who love God. Well, you just quoted a, por a portion of scriptures. You, you, you pulled it out of the entire chapter, which is not even talking about what, the way you're using it. Because just look around. Is all things working together for good for everybody, for those who love God? I can find a lot of people things ain't working together for good. And they do love God. 
So you can't take what I say or anyone says and just pull it out of context and say, well, Pastor, it must be true. No, we're, we're, we're all in the process of learning. We all make mistakes. And so we need to give each other room for mistakes. I'm not mad at anybody, but, but we're, we're not going to come into the place that we, God has for us and who we are in this day and this time and fulfill your call with a thinking that, you know, God is completely sovereign and he's running the whole show. Because if he's running the whole show and if you've got a TV to watch the news, he's got this earth in a mess. And if this is how he runs earth, I'd hate to see what heaven's going to look like for eternity. I mean, things are falling through, you know, things are falling through the cracks. If, he, if he's run this place, he's forgetting things. I hope, when there, when there's a, I hope he remembers the rapture. And I hope he doesn't forget to get some of us in the great, in, in the great big, you know, extraction. I, 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 you know, so is God, in, is God in complete control? Is he calling all the shots? Do we have any part in this? To hear many talk and people from the pulpit, not much. But we have to find out what the scripture actually says about this. The other thing we'll, we'll, I want to get to is about judgment. That's a big one, isn't it? God, you know, well, this happened because of the sin in the earth. And, you know, they'll show you the scales that God weighed out the sin with the righteousness. And, and you know, you, you, you was found wanting. And so because there was more sin than there was righteousness, God had to pour out wrath because he, he had to balance the accounts. But when I read the scriptures in several places and over in Hebrews and Colossians, he thinks he's already balanced them. If I read correctly, and I'm not, you know, the greatest of all readers, but I can read. And you can too, right? He thinks he blotted out all the ordinances against you and nailed everything, nailed that all to the cross. And Christ came and he ended the law. In other words, he, he fulfilled it. Now the law is still active, but, but Timothy said, but the law is not for a righteous man. Anyone here Righteous. And said, well, actually, if you just want to get down to it, and we, you know, we, we talk about we're no, we're no longer the law, but actually, unless you're a Jew, you never was. It's funny, we spend all this time trying to get out something that we were never under as Gentiles. You was never under the law. You're not Jewish. <laughs> and if you are, there's good news for you. you it's, it's no longer. So let's, let's, let's look at some of this. And, and I just wrote down a few thoughts. I said, there's an advancement going forward as God is working in the hearts of men, women, our youth, and our children. The ultimate goal is salvation because James 5 said, the Father's patiently waiting for the fruit of the earth. But God does not act on his own accord because we, the church, the body of Christ, are workers together with him. We are partnered with him in this great awakening that is presently at work today. And so um, we talked about, is he in control? Is he in control in your life? Is God calling all the shots? So we need to analyze that and maybe dispel some popular doctrines within the church, making sharing the gospel almost impossible. Because you, you're going to run into to people that you're trying to help, and it's like, um, I, I'm watching well-meaning people doing all kinds of things, trying to get people healed, and they're having some success because God is trying to help people. But they're taking their methods and they're trying to get you to do the method. This is how you get people healed. And you take them off in a room and you interview them. And you go through all the things, you know, that, you know you're kind of like the old thing. Like, we got to take you back to the very beginning for your mother's womb and find out, you know, there, there's because, you know, we're, we're taking Proverbs and say the, the curse comes 
you know, it doesn't come without a cause. So we got to find the cause. And if we find the cause, you know, then we'll find the root of it. We can get the root of it, and then we'll be on the way to the men. The only problem is with that, and that's also called generational curses. The only problem with your, the cause and your generational things that Jesus never ministered one time about a generational curse, not one time. If Jesus never ministered a generational curse, I don't know why we're talking about him. I, I, I know it's the best-selling books in Christian networks, but, but Jesus didn't even talk about it one time. Not even once. Well, you know, but, but we got books selling by the millions. So, you, so here it is. Your great-grand-grand-grand-grandpappy grand, did something. Here you are paying for it. What kind of deal is that? I don't even know him. We can't even find the grave. We've been searching the family tree and they can't even find him, but I'm paying for his sins. You're in the wrong, when you're doing that, you're in the wrong covenant. Amen. The way that God dealt with people in the old covenant is, how, is differently than how he deals with you in the new covenant. Amen. Hmm? Does God like sin? No, hates it. It, got, it. it was what caused Jesus to have to die. God hates it emphatically. But how he deals with people is different in this covenant than how he dealt with people in the old covenant. I know a lot of you know that already. It took me a few years to get that indoctrinated in the church from the Word of God. So much, it, it affected me so much, I changed the name of the church to Grace Life Church. So it wasn't a passing title or series. It, it, it is so ingrained in me about the new covenant and the love of God in that new covenant because really what uh, Kenyon said, all grace really is in its most basic form is the love of God at work in your life. And we were all bound for hell, right? Weren't we without Jesus? Yes. So Jesus come and love and, and love the hell out of you. That's what he did. You understand the way I'm saying it, right? Don't come here and say, that pastor, he's cussing. No, I'm not. So, so sovereignty is commonly believed within the church that God is in control and nothing happens that is not within his desire. In this belief, God is held responsible for every good and bad things that happen on the planet. Let me just give you a few things. I looked this up yesterday. Approximately 30,000 children and adults die every day from starvation, mostly children. Every, every day, seven days a week, 30,000 kids and adults are buried in the ground because they don't have food to eat. They starve to death. Starve to death. Well, we, we never have a thought of that, of starving to death. We think about getting older and dealing with the situations in our body. But have you ever seriously thought that the way you're going to leave this planet is because you starve to death? 30,000 kids go underneath the ground every day buried because they starve to death. And God's making every decision. Thousands die of cancer. I could give you the numbers, but I won't. HIV, COVID, COVID-19. This is COVID-23. Don't, don't sign up for it. You're four years past or something, 19. But uh, they die of cancer, HIV, COVID, many things, heart disease. With the belief in God's sovereign will is, is a plan of a greater good, which we never know until we reach heaven. You ever heard that? Well, we may never know why God took Aunt Sally, but when we get to heaven, we'll see the greater plan in it. There's a lot of things I guess we'll never know. There's a lot of things about heaven's going to be exciting and fun to find out. In heaven, we're all going to be going like, oh, that's why. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, that's why. Oh. Oh, oh, oh. And I don't think you have to be a theologian to understand it. When Jesus taught, he taught very simple because he taught to simple people. Hmm? 
He said there was a man who had a son. There was a man who was a farmer. There was a man who had some seed. You know, he, he, you know, he, he didn't talk in King James language. He didn't say, from now on, hitherto and anon, thou seest, mightest, knowest, and all that. Just, just talk. There's nothing wrong with preaching. But people think, well, the man, the no one comes on, they more, they just preach like a whatever. Well, well, it don't ever come on when they're going through the drive-thru. Or when they're buying their groceries or when they're in Walmart. You can't even have a conversation with them. They preach like that all the time. I watched someone preach the other day. I, I, I couldn't understand what they were saying. It was so fast. I was like, my gosh, just slow down and take a breath. What are you saying? I mean, you, you don't go to the Burger King and do that. And say, hey, you run around and they say, uh, how about some chicken? <laughs> they don't even know what you said. <laughs> Try to learn algebra or calculus like that. <laughs> Slow down. Teach us. Tell us. Thank God for the gift of preaching and teaching and exhortation. I, I love preaching. But don't tell me, I know what I'm talking about, don't, don't tell me you have to do that all the time. Now, you've adopted a style that you like, and you may have a group of people who like it and get in the groove with you. You know, say, man, God moved today. Boy, God, this and that. So, oh, what did Pastor say? Well, I, I, I don't know, but I'll tell you, God was there. Oh, okay, well. I mean, it was good. I mean, I mean, we were, man, we were shouting into glory. I, I mean, it was thick, so thick it took a chainsaw to cut. Y'all ever heard that? Got a steel chainsaw cutting through the anointing. Really? Is that a verse too? You'll need a steel chainsaw to cut through the anointing. Or whatever brand you like. I mean, it might be steel. It could be another one. Do you read the Bible that way? Do you meditate that way? I mean, do you, do you get your Bible out and say, And I had been quickened. I was dead in my trespasses and my sins. And but God. <laughs> well, I get excited and do stuff like that sometimes, but it's not very often. I need some instruction. When my wife gives me a list of going to Walmart or a public, I say, I need some green beans. I need some oranges. I don't need some bananas. And some potato chips. <laughs> They might escort you back to your car. You may go home with nothing but an eviction. So this erroneous so-called doctrine is widely accepted by the Christian church and preached to the people as the truth from God and his word without exception. However, it can easily be rectified. This is the things I wrote down yesterday with a dictionary. Here's what sovereign means in the dictionary. Having the supreme rank, power, or authority. Sounds like God to me. How about you? Can you agree with the dictionary? I can. Would you agree that God has supreme rank? Is there a God above God? No. Does anyone have any more power than God? Does Satan have more power than God? No. Does Satan have more authority than God? No. Do you know of any other gods? No. He, uh, it says sovereign means supreme, preeminent, indisputable, a sovereign right, greatest in degree, utmost or extreme, being above all others in character, importance, excellence, self-governing, and independent. Is God sovereign this way? Absolutely. Is he making every decision, every choice for everyone? 
Do we just pray and just leave it up to God because God's in control? Well, let's see what we got about three minutes to go through about three scriptures. So here we go real fast. First Timothy two, three and four. And I'll just read it to you. First Timothy three and four and NIV says this is good and pleases God, our savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, so this is this is what would please God. This would be his will that he wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's his will. That's his want to. That's his desire. Is all people coming to him? Is all people come to the knowledge of the truth? Has anyone left this planet that you even know of that did not receive him and did not accept him? Did God get his way? Because he's in control of everything. I mean, did you ever tell the Lord these purple socks don't really go with this, you know, <laughs> this brown suit that I got? Or, but God said, no, it's got to be purple. You got to have on purple. I met people like that. When I was running a business and we were selling floor cover, come in there. I mean, I, I didn't care. I said, we just, we want to buy something. I said, well, how can I help you? What are you looking for? Well, we don't know. We just want God to pick it out. I was like, oh boy. And I had been to Bible school. I came back and worked for one more year before I started church. They said, we just want God to be in control. And we want whatever color God wants us to have in the house that would give him the most glory. Can you help us? And I thought, I said, yes, ma'am, I sure can. I believe that God wants you to have your heart's desire and his heart's desire. So all I had to do was go back in my inventory and see what wasn't moving. What I had bought was sitting on the floor. And I said, ma'am, this is an excellent choice. This is an excellent piece of carpet. I said, this is a DuPont 669 nylon. I said, it's dyed and fried and laid on the side. No, I was kidding. I just, I just tell you know, how good a floor cover was. And I said, I believe this right here would look very good in your home. It's a neutral color, go with anything. And I said, it would bring God all the glory that you want him to have. She said, I'll buy it. I said, I said well, you're pleased, I'm pleased, God's pleased. It's a great day. She was happy, we did a good job, and she wrote me a check. I like customers like that. Now, if I was in sales, like, you know, Keith, you sell cars, I know which one pays the most. I wouldn't be selling you a new car. I'd be selling you a used car. that make more money off use, right? No, the Lord don't want you going to do this time. He wants you in the use. Because <laughs> he don't want you to get in pride. <laughs> Plus, my commission going to be about three times more. <laughs> but we won't mention that. <laughs> uh, praise the Lord. Well, so God's not getting his way that way. Second Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's his will. That no one should die and perish, but he, he's long-suffering. That all should come to repentance. Do all come to repentance? Mark 16 says, go preach this gospel. He that believeth is baptized shall be what? But those who, you could, they don't say it, but it would mean the same thing. Those that choose not to believe, do they get the same reward? Did God choose some to go to heaven and some to go to hell? There's people who believe that. There's people, certainly people who teach that. I know you don't believe that. I don't need to try to stamp that out in this church. But any form of the fact that ourself or anyone or even the ministers might even say 
you know, you just have to believe God because he's running everything and everything's going to work out. Everything doesn't always work out. Otherwise, Pastor Matt was talking about Mully, how he used his faith. If God's running everything and everything's going to happen that God chose and what he's doing, what in the world do I need faith for? What do I need to believe about anything? Can you see that? You wouldn't have to leave this county to pick a fight on that. I won't name any names, but I, I deal with this all the time. Weekly, I deal with this. People who sit under teachers, well-meaning teachers, they're good people, they're going to go to heaven. I'm not mad at anyone. But if you get any form of that in you, and you're in want or you're in need and you're trying to help people, and you're trying to pray for someone, you know, the man that they let down from the roof, everyone was happy except for the religious people. When he come down, he said he saw their faith. Remember? The paralytic guy? And they let him down. Do you remember what Jesus said? After it says he saw their faith, but what did he tell them? People, some people thought that that was Jesus' house. I don't know if it was or not. He could have said, I'm calling, you, you've just tore my roof to pieces. I'm going to call Axaron. I mean, I, you will get a call money. I'm suing you. What do you think? Well, so they couldn't get in the house. So they brought him down to the roof. These people were desperate. These people were tenacious. These people were going to get what they came for. And Jesus saw that. He saw their faith in action, right? So he said the most unusual thing when he was lowered down, because he knew the man needed healing. He was on a cot, right? He said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the religious people said, oh, oh, you, you did. Oh, no, you did. You did say that. Oh, no. Nobody. Can. That's, that's blasphemy. Who can forgive sins other than God? You know, they, they like God. Pastor Buddy said, Pastor, <laughs> Matt knows what I'm going to say. Pastor Buddy, when you say, and when they say God, he said, that, you know, he said their head so long looked like a Shetland pony. <laughs> I sure do miss him. <laughs> God. <laughs> Jesus said, I just wanted y'all to know it's just as easy for me to say uh, your sins are forgiven, you'll be healed. I, I just thought I'd go that way today. That's the loose translation. Well, he said, pick up your cot and go home. We're more looking for reasons why people aren't healed and haven't been healed and can't be healed than reasons why they already should be. Never, notice he didn't even ask him what the sins were. Notice the woman issue of blood. She didn't ask for permission. She just took what she wanted and Jesus felt it come out of him. Why didn't she stop? Why didn't Jesus stop and say, wait, you can't take that until we've had an interview. <laughs> First of all, I don't even know what your name is. What's your name, girl? Oh, you have what? Oh, you're supposed to be stoned. Hang on. Now, where do you go to church? Are you a tither? Grosser net. Do you give offerings? Okay. Who your daddy is? Did, did he interview the woman? No. So by faith, she extracted what she needed out of him. He said he felt power come out of him without an interview. 
and without his permission, which means the power of God is mechanical. John Lake been telling that people for years. The power of God is mechanical, just like it is the natural. I mean, this, the power that lights up this room, it'll bless you. But, I can, but you, uh, like I said, there's, there's a, this, this was a furniture store, and that wall wasn't there. It was just, when we got, it was just a rectangle. The good thing about that is you can decide where everything is. Put up a wall here. And I mean, other than the kitchen and the, what we use for children's church, whatever, that was there. But the rest of it was just open. And, you know, when you have furniture, they would, that's why you see all the plugs, like what, about every eight or ten feet. There's plugs everywhere, which is really great if you're the one vacuums the floor. I've heard that happens sometimes here. <laughs> sometimes I've been found in this room. It's the best way I know to make sweeping changes. I ain't that's good. Uh, but, but they had plugs all through the wall. That doesn't bother you. But if I give you a paper clip and you stick it in there, you will find the source that is helping us. And it won't be as kind to you as it is right now. And we probably would get a reaction from you if you just held it in there long enough. Some of you would scream. Some of you might cry. Some of you would shout. Some of you might say words that you might have to get forgiveness. I, I don't know what you do. <laughs> some of you lay on the floor. Some of you run around the room. I don't know what you do. But we would get a reaction. Some of you don't. This real, really quiet during praise and worship. You say, praise the Lord. You would, we would get a shout out of you. <laughs> wow. Because, the power, because that power is mechanical. It's not here to hurt you. It's here to bless you. But electricity will kill you if you abuse it. Water, if you abuse it, will kill you. You can drown in water. But you can't live without water. So let's close this morning with this. I think I got one more verse I want to share with you and ask you this question. If God expressed will that none perish, he wants everyone to be saved. So once again, does everyone say no? Because some has re rejected his offer. Now, uh, lastly, Matthew 6, verses 9 and 10 in the NIV, we see evidence of the Lord's prayer here. And it says, our father, in other words, the disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And I'm just going to preach part of this. Or read part of the verse 9 and 10. Our father, which in heaven, hallowed be your name. Y'all can say it with me probably. Thy kingdom come, your will be done, what? On earth as it is in heaven. They wanted to know from Jesus, Lord, how should we pray? Well, the portion that I just read, he says, pray that to the Father that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. If God's in charge, if God's running this whole business, if God's making all decisions, I don't know who, who got cornflakes this morning, I don't know who got Pop-Tarts. I don't know who got eggs. I don't know what God chose for you. I don't know what the drink was. I don't know what, you know, what color socks that God picked out for you. I mean, do, do, do you buy a car that way? You know, North says, no, it's, it's got to be a gray one today. It's got to be a blue one. It's got to be a brown one. When you think about it, it's kind of ludicrous to even think that way. And the, and the people would say, no, that's, you're just being silly. We're not talking about that. I'll say, okay, but then then take me to what level he starts. Like God, God's not really in charge of, you know, what I eat. Well, people sometimes die early because of what they, their diet, the way they chose to eat. Is that true? So he should, he should have got involved from the cornflakes up. Because <laughs> he needs you to preach the gospel. 
but because, you know, you won't put them Twinkies down, you gone. <laughs> you twinkied on out. <laughs> twinkle, twinkle, little star. <laughs> Too many twinkles, and there you are. <laughs> so it looks like God needs to be involved on every level, right? Does anyone believe that God, that's how he operates? No one does in this room. Good. Because if we're going to be in this great awakening that we're in, it's going to be understanding who we are in the Christ in us and the awakening of those things in us because we are actually partners together with him. That God made you in a class as, as close to himself as he possibly could, made in his image and in his likeness. God gave such a wisdom and a likeness in nature that he put in Adam that he could name every plant and animal and vegetation that stood before him according to the characteristics of that animal plant. Pretty amazing. And even after he died spiritually, he had so much life left in him, it took over 900 years for the devil to get him off the planet. There was so much life that, you know, that, that uh, uh, Methuselah, even after the death of Adam, stayed on this planet for 969 years, or 965, whatever it is. It's a long time. He has so much of the life of God in him. Why have we come to the place like, well, we're 70 or 80, it's over. Because someone told you that's when your life ends. So you've conditioned your brain to think that way. We, we start preparing to leave in our 70s and 80s. We, we retire because we think we're old and we're, we well out. I well out. You don't understand me, I well out. I so well out. I bone out, I bow out, I sold out. I'm out. <laughs> Did you know the Jewish people don't believe that? I watched a year, uh, two years ago. This is, I'm not through preaching. Y'all can leave if you want to, but you're going to miss a good story here. <laughs> I'm actually officially all over through, so if you need to go, go. Pat Robertson, um, I was in the hospital with my mother, so I know it's been over five years. Maybe it was seven years. I don't know. We was in the hospital. And she was, uh, I, she, had, um, she, she, she wanted to watch Pat Robson. I turned it down. And, I, and he had a, a guest, and I forget what the topics was, but he was Jewish, and, you know, they believe in being prosperous, don't they? Yeah. You know, we, we make, you know, like, well, they're like a Jew. They stretch a dollar to whatever. Well, they, they don't just stretch. They make, they take their dollars, invest it, and make things. They don't just stretch it. They, they make their money work for them. That's what, that's what we're supposed to do. You know, we're, we're supposed to be investors of the kingdom of God, and he'll have us invest. He'll show us how and the ways to do it, teach you how to profit. And then that way we don't, we don't run after money. It runs after us. But anyway, so I was watching Pat Robson, and he, had this, and he and, uh, and he's still alive, isn't he? And he's old. He is. But this was like probably seven years ago, and, and he was talking about retiring, and, and the guy looked at him. He says, he says, Brother Robson, he said, why would you do that? He said, he said, well, he said look at me, I'm old. He said, but why, why would you retire? What are you going to do? He said, I don't know. I'll, I'll just go home and, and do a hobby. He said, well, that's the quickest way to die I know of. <coughs> he said, I, I find that interesting that people in America and the Gentiles, he says, they they, they're counting how, how long it is to retirement. 
and do I have enough and how much my check will be. He says, when you're just now getting to the place where you have wisdom in life, you're ready to stop. If I'll have my way, I'll just preach till, I'm, till it's over with me. Amen. I've no, I've no plan of leaving at 60. I mean, uh, my age, I guess you don't get retirement until well, full retirement at 67 years old. I know it's going to be astonishing, but I'm 61 tomorrow. I was like, I don't even know what I, I just got out of high school. They gave me my diploma. I don't, I don't even know how this happened. It's like, <laughs> where'd that sound go? It's like, wow. <laughs> it's like, I mean, I did. I just, I mean, 20 miles from here, I got my diploma and just like walked out and said, I'm going to conquer the world. And now I, I can see 70 from where I'm standing. <laughs> it's like, how did that happen? Amen. Michelle told me the other day, she said, she said, you know, you've been 61. She said, but you still have a body like a God. And I said, hey, thank you, baby. She said, yeah, Buddha. I said, I covered your prayers. <laughs> I have to go home today with her. <laughs> I don't know what she's talking about. <laughs> we are partnered with a genius who has the plan, who is sovereign, who is the highest in rank. He is omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's omnipresent. He can be everywhere at once. He doesn't have anyone else in his class. The closest thing he has to in his class outside the Trinity, the closest thing in the, in the universe to God outside the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, is you. Christ in you. So when we started this, I wanted to talk to someone who felt like they're at the end. You're not at the end. You've only just begun. Amen. Because the Christ in you is greater than anything that would ever attack you. You may walk through some things. You may have to get out your umbrella. You may get knocked down, like Paul said, but not knocked out. You may go through some persecution. You may have a setback. But sometimes a setback is just a setup for a launching out. Because we're going to the place to where the, the nets are going, to lay, are going to be put out. And we're going to bring in the hall of the harvest. And God's going to be using the young, the aged, the young, the youth. People won't do it like I do it, not supposed to. They'll do it through music. They'll do it through the arts. They'll do it in so many different ways. Things that we, we never think about or fathom. God is using everything that he created. The Bible said the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, but he put, it in, he put it in our control to be keepers of this planet. It's not ours. Satan right now has a lease on it because they haven't gave him the lease, but that lease will come up. When that lease comes up, it's all over. You are in the dispensation of grace where Jesus poured out his life for all sin, for all mankind forever. But when he comes back, that's over. It won't be the dispensation of grace. If you don't know Jesus, today is the day to know him. 
Today's the make, is the day to make the greatest decision in your life that you could ever make. Don't put off tomorrow because you don't know that tomorrow will be here. You think, well, I want to go do a few more things and try a few things and sow some oats. You don't have any oats to sow. The greatest life that you'll ever know that you could ever have is to be a child of the, of, of the king, of the kingdom. And when you get to heaven, you'll see things in heaven you thought God would never put there. You think that we're just going to sing songs, you know, kumbaya and go to the hymn book and sing that for eternity, stand around here preaching. Well, we'll have all that, but you're going to have things that's fun. Some of you are going to get, our hunters, you're going to get to hunt, but it won't be, you won't really be killing animals, but it'll be, like, it'll be like you're killing something. I don't know what it'll be. Some of you will get to eat things that you do and won't show up on you nowhere. No, no cholesterol checks, no blood pressure checks, nothing. Praise the Lord. I even believe that he has a way of disposing the food out of our body without any way that we do it now. It's just gone. <laughs> Amen. Some of you got, you know, anybody ever want to race a car? I did. My mom asked me, she said, what you going to do? I said, I'm going to race a car. I'm going to be a... I'm going to race cars. Well, I never got there. But in heaven, I'm going to race them. I don't know what they're going to look like, but watch out. Watch out. We're going to have fun. If I, if, I, if I tear it up, maybe it just goes like this and it fixes. If not, Nathan will be there and he, he'll have the snapping. And then he'll, I mean, he don't want to work on no car, you understand. But, <laughs> but we'll all have things to do. And it's going to be so amazing. Going to be so amazing. So if that's you... And you haven't asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Just simply say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come in, to live in me, to come live in my heart. Forgive me for rejecting Jesus. I, I ask him to be my Lord and be my Savior. Come into my life and come into my heart. Use me for your kingdom forever. If you said that, anything close to that, I want you to know that the Bible says that the angels of God the shouts of heaven rejoice when one person comes to repentance. Just one person. The reason I say that is because every time we speak, we're talking to nations. This broadcast will go from here by sometimes in the near, very near future, today or next week. It'll go to at least 40 different nations. People all over this world is hearing the gospel from this place right here, which is amazing. And we give God all the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen.